Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to go quickly. It's not a whole lot. It's not deep. It's just, I think, a reminder. Hebrews chapter 12, going to read it, pick it up, verse 1. Therefore, everybody say therefore. It follows chapter 9. Chapter 9 was uh, kind of the the hall of fame of the heroes of faith who were faithful to the end. And then it comes into chapter 12. So therefore, since we are surrounded by chapter 11, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now today, those witnesses certainly are scriptural, but there are witnesses of everybody who's lived before us and who lives with us. We're surrounded by those who've lived their lives for the Lord, right to the end, right to the end. For all of them, it says, great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne. So we come to this new year, 2023. Somebody said that, uh, actually it was my wife this morning, who somebody said to her, that if you add up 2023, you just add up the numbers, it adds up to what? Seven. Seven is a picture of completion. I thought that was kind of cool. And that was right on the heels of, we had a devotion with the worship team this morning, and the devotion was around Elijah calling forth a miracle of rain. God would pour out his rain and his blessing and to end the famine on the land. And he was birthing it forward. And seven times they looked to the sky for it to come. And in the time of completion, a cloud came. And he said, better get up, you better run because it's coming suddenly. It's coming suddenly. Here's the cool thing. We wait, wait, wait. And in the waiting, we press in, press in, press in, press in. It seems like forever. But when God answers the prayer, and he does, suddenly it will come. It will come so quickly. If you try to prepare during that time, you just won't. It's too quickly. It will come so suddenly in his due time. The difficult part where we get dissuaded and off track is in that waiting, is in the pressing through, the persevering. And we need to do that. So Hebrews chapter 12 speaks of putting off and entering into something new. So we start at 2023 today. We flipped the calendar. I came in this morning. I had a calendar on my wall, took the old one down, put my new one up, brand new picture. I like pictures. Put a brand new picture of my calendar, had a little uh, desktop one, took it off and tossed it. It's done. Uh, Brand new year. So the question is, really, does it make any difference when we flip a page? I mean, today's no different than a, a week ago. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's New Year's, but it's just the flipping of a page. It's just the flipping of a page. Does what transpired this minute from last minute, does it really matter? And I want to suggest they do. From one minute to the next minute matters hugely. You know that as you travel down the road, one minute you can be driving in absolute bliss, and the next minute you can be in absolute catastrophe. One minute. 
One minute makes a matter of life and death changes. One minute. I remember, I remember uh, coming to Christ as Lord. The minute prior was in darkness, not knowing Christ. But then I called on his name. And a minute later, I went from darkness into light. You can't tell me a minute didn't make a difference there. I went from darkness into the light of his dear son. I remember a minute before where I was seeking, oh, Holy Spirit, I asked that you would overflow me in your beauty, overflow me in your power, overflow me in your glory. And I pray, baptize or baptize me. The minute before was dramatically different than the minute after. The minute after, I tasted of ecstasy. I had a taste of heaven as the Holy Spirit baptized me and birthed me with the language that came forth like a a geyser bursting forth. One minute before was very different than the minute after. So minutes do make a difference. I remember a lady in the church one time, we were praying and we were praying for healing. We were speaking out healing and she had chronic back pain and was sitting there and the pain was there and had been there for years, this pain. And as we called for her, she got up, she came to the end, to the front, and she says, immediately, the pain left. She said, I felt heat go through my back, and it went. She said, so when the opportunity, first opportunity, and she was one of the first ones to her feet, she was doing this, she was doing that, she was bending over, she sat back down, she slouched, she touched her toes, she was doing all the things that would bring her searing pain. One minute before, she was in pain. One minute later, she set free. What about the person who has a tumor on their neck? And that tumor is there and it's alive and it's eating their flesh. One minute before the tumor's there, but then God heals them and they reach. And the tumor, there's no lump. There's no bulge. It's gone. And they check it out. We've had, you've had, we're in services where a woman who uh, had breast cancer and a tumor in the breast and, and felt this tingling and went to the washroom. And ch- One minute that was there, the minute later it was gone. You can't tell me there's not something happens from one minute to the next minute. Because if we don't believe, then we simply believe that everything is already predestined and I am just a victim of circumstances or luck. But God is, a, God is not only a sovereign God, He is a God who delights in interacting. And you can't but read when you enter into your season of prayer and fasting. You will notice again how God loves you and loves to interact with you. And when he interacts, every time he interacts, something will happen. Something a minute before wasn't happening now is happening. And so I want to suggest as we come into this brand new year, I want to suggest that there are things that we can believe can happen that weren't happening last year. We need to believe that. That's where we put our faith in action. I believe God is going to do something in this new year. I believe in radical difference as God moves in my life. Amen? So let's believe that. Let's rise up to that as we move into this year. God is still Desiring to be involved in your life. Well, the scripture that we came to here, let us therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off everything that hinders as we come into this new year now. This is the first day, so this is a prime time to talk about it. Let's throw off the things that are 
still last year stuff. Can we get rid of those things? Now, you probably can't do it in your own strength because if you could, you would have already done it. You need God's strength to throw off some things. So as we start this brand new year, let's make a conscious decision this morning. There's some things that we got to throw off. Can I say not to neglect? Because if you neglect, they haven't forgotten you. They're going to come back. No, the scripture here says throw off. The picture here is, is taking something and throwing it. The picture is of, a, of an athlete. And sometimes athletes train, especially if they're in an, in an endurance event. They're training. And they will often put excessive weight upon themselves so they can strengthen their muscles quicker. But when the actual race comes, they need to throw that off. They need to get rid of everything that is slowing them down to get to the end and to win. And the picture is the same. We need to throw it off. You need to aggressively, no, that can't cling to me anymore. I've got to release that from my life. It's, a, it's actually a very violent act of throwing it off. It's a violent act. It's, it's, a, it's a deliverance act. It's an act of saying, I, re, I, I not only consciously do it, but I physically throw you. I throw you off. I loose myself from your entanglement. We need to embrace this year by doing that. And that to do so, God has called us to accomplish his goals and purposes for our life. And the scripture here in Hebrews notes these things, that not only in the place of throwing them off, he says you've got to focus your eyes on something in so doing. First point I want to share is seeing those witnesses that have gone before. So as we start this new year, let's embrace and see again those witnesses that have gone before us. If you go back to the previous chapter of Hebrews 11 and you were to read through, you would read of a number of people uh, of the Old Testament who fought the fight and won the battle. And if you look at them enough, and if you go and examine their story, it's an interesting endeavor, you're probably going to discover you probably have some things in common with them. Some things that they had to work through in their lives. No one went through life unscarred. They were all marred in some way. They all stumbled in periods of their battle, but they got to the end. And he's saying, you got to see those who've gone before you, because as they got to the end, be encouraged. You can get to the end too. You can too. During the time of my fasting and praying, I've, uh, I'm reading a number of books. There'll be three books that will be a part of my reading, and I'm reading one uh, historical revivalist each day, and it will be, it'll take 36 days. There, there's 36 of them, and the book's called God's, God's Generals. Anybody ever read those books, God's Generals? Okay, some have God's Generals. Um, written a few years ago by Robert Lyardon, and he's a church historian, and uh, so I've been reading through these people. Um, Evan Roberts, been reading through William Seymour, uh, Charles Parham, who uh, back 1900, interesting, when the year turned, when the year turned the calendar of December 31st into January 1 of 1900. That's like, what, a long time ago. <laughs> like, it's a long time ago. When it turned, he was, he was in a Bible college and he was believing the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he gave his class over the Christmas holidays an assignment. They were to read the book of Acts. And after having read the book of Acts, they were to come back and talk about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. That was their assignment. They were to do an essay. 
And the essay meant they had to get up in front of the class and present it. So um, they came back, and they, they came back. It was, uh, it was uh, I'm getting my dates wrong because I know something happened on New, Year, on New Year's Day. So I don't know if it was right before that, but in that period of time, he had a class with them. He had been away. He came back. The class was there, and, and, he, uh, and they all got up, and I forget how many were in the class. There was maybe 30 in the class. And they got up and they all presented. And the one thing they all had in common, they said, the Holy Spirit moved in power and people spoke in a language they didn't know. Now back 123 years ago, speaking in tongues was not very, not very common. And, but when they studied the book of Acts, they said, and, and there's no indication it was ever meant to stop. And so the class then began to look to each other. The class was ministering to each other. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And so one of the young female students came up to Charles Parham and came up to him and said, would you lay your hands on me and pray? Like she was a Christian. She was a follower of Jesus. But I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to baptize her. He laid hands on her head. And he, he, even, he even said to her, he says, I've, I, I don't speak in tongues. I've, I've not received it. And she said, well, but they, but they had to have somebody lay hands on me. So, okay. So he laid hands on her. And she said she felt this tingling. And she began to just break forth in this language. And it went from different language to different language. And it just poured out. And then the Bible college basically had to shut down for the next number of days as one after the other began to cry out to God and he filled them with his Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then a week later, a week later, he came into the meeting and there were 12 ministers from multiple, 12 different denominations represented and saying, we need the Holy Spirit. As I begin to read through this, these are witnesses. These are people I've, I've, I've never known, Charles Parham. And they had, the beginning of the book, God's Generals, it says this, God's Generals, and it has 12 generals in each of the books I'm reading. God's Generals, and then it has how they succeeded and what happened when they failed. Because many of them failed, too. Many of them went through, they made a lot of stupid mistakes, really bad mistakes. They went in excess, they did things, they had people. Uh, Evan Roberts is one of the saddest stories. Evan Roberts, Welsh revivalist. Evans Roberts was so taken with the burden of seeing souls. He would have meetings where there would be 7,000 people show up at these meetings back, you know, the end of the 1800s, 1901, 1902, 1903, that they couldn't contain them in the tents. They would pull them up. People would be, the coal mines were shut down in the town that he lived in because people were so converted and their lives were changed. The mules only knew how to respond to cursing. And they stopped cursing. And the mules quit responding because they didn't understand the new language. You imagine? They had people showing up at the police station at four in the morning, confessing to crimes. They didn't know they committed a crime. And the police said, well, what did you do? And they said, I don't know, but I feel I need, I've got guilt all over me. And so police officers didn't know what to do. So they went to the pastor and said, what's going on? And he said, they're under the conviction of sin. Confess your sins to the Lord and he will save you. And they were getting saved at four o'clock in the morning. Crazy things going on. And yet at the same time, some of those people were led astray. They would hide themselves and they would take upon them unnecessary suffering, feeling it was a discipline of the Lord. And their works would go 
uh, would go wrong and, and they would criticize something and their hearts would get out and their attitudes would get. And so the, the study, he says, take a look at those witnesses because those witnesses not only will give you the assurance that you can make it to the end as well, but they will let you know the race can be pretty tough along the way. But you don't have to stop. You don't have to feel you're disqualified. Finish the race. Get back on and run the race hard. Wherever you have got off the track, whatever has stopped you, get back on and run hard. I want to suggest, and we said this in our time earlier, that there's a time where I need to confess my sins. So we need to do it. We're going to do that today. And there's a time that after I've confessed my sins, I still feel shame and guilt all over me. I feel unworthy. I feel unworthy. And when you feel unworthy, listen to me here, when you feel unworthy, you don't need more, you don't need more confession. When you feel unworthy, lift your eyes to God and begin to praise him. Praise him for who he is and praise him for who you are in him. And what will happen? Your shame and your guilt and the feeling of unworthiness will lift off of you but you've got to get your eyes back on him. This is what he was saying. So get rid of the things. You need to confess some things. But having done that, you need to get your eyes fixed on what you need to get your eyes fixed on. Because the enemy, if he can't stop you in your guilt, he will make you feel guilty for not being guilty. He will make you feel that something's wrong with you. Something's fun, and you will never measure up. You are unworthy for the blessing that God wants to pour out upon you and I want to suggest lift your eyes to the Lord and this moves on throwing aside everything that would hinder the race that is marked out before you get your eyes fixed on him the race marked out before you if you've ever run races and I haven't not not like on tracks where you have lanes it's important to keep to your own lane okay actually you get disqualified if you don't run your lane Run your lane. And what he's saying here, he says, the race marked out for you. Jesus, because he goes right into this, I've often found this interesting. Let me read this again. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out. Your lane. Your lane. So Cheris's lane is not the same as Jesse's lane. Jesse's lane is not the same as, as Joel's lane. Joel's lane, we've all got a lane. Run your lane. Here's what my tendency, I don't know about yours, my tendency is to look over another lane to see how they're doing. And I compare. He's saying, don't compare. He says, you've got witnesses who finished the race before you. You know you can finish it. Now, fix your eyes on your lane. Fix your eyes on your lane. Don't get sidetracked. Because you can get so easily twisted when you start to look sideways or you check the rearview mirror to see who's coming up behind. Are they a threat? What are those things that you tend to look sideways towards? You know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, uh, somebody you went to church with and God is just blessing them and they put on Facebook all the blessings. You looked over Christmas time and there their family was and they looked so loving you could just see halos over all their heads. They're such a happy family. Nothing's gone wrong with that family. And you get so discouraged because your own family's a mess. And you're thinking, you must be all messed up because God's blessing them. What's happening here? 
You're looking off your lane. You know, the race is not done yet. You've still got a race in front of you. Keep focusing on your lane. You've maybe got a situation where somebody who's, who's you know, their kids have gone to college and university and they've got these degrees and they're in their work and they got jobs right away. And, you know, they got a husband and they got a wife and they got these wonderful grandchildren that just, you know, beckon to follow their parents every whim. And you look at your kids who haven't talked to you, who disrespect you. You look at grandchildren who've wandered from the faith or who've never even wanted the faith. And you're wondering, what is wrong with me? What's happening is we're looking aside. He's saying, you stay in your lane. Keep an eye on your lane. He didn't say trust in the things around you. He says, be encouraged by those who've gone before you, knowing that you too have a race set before you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And sometimes it's the place where you just lift your head, lift your hands and say, God, I'm just going to just focus on you. I'm just going to bless you, even though I don't see the evidence. I'm going to honor you and begin to praise him. That's why we can read in the Psalms and begin to go and cycle through the Psalms, things we can praise God for. It's not based on my feelings, it's based on who he is. Stay in the lane, this 2023. You've got a lane to run. You've got a lane to run. But here's the other cool thing. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And then he continues on. This is interesting. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So we fix our eyes. I'm running my lane. Okay, I'm not going to compare. I'm not going to compare to another church. I'm not going to compare to another brother or sister in the Lord. I'm not going to compare to another family member. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. Then it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Here it is. The author and perfecter of our faith, who, he goes on, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Here's why you can run your race. He's already run it before you. He's the author and finisher. He's already been there. On your track, where you're about to go, Jesus has already prepared the way for you. Praise God. Why did he take such pain to not only say, fix your eyes on Jesus? He could have stopped right there. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He recognized Jesus would go to the cross, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus has prepared the way before you. And so as you fix your eyes on Jesus, knowing he's already, your path, you're going to do it. You can make it because he's prepared the way. You're going to make it. He's prepared the way. I have a picture in my mind. It just came to my mind. Over the season, um, I watched Polar Express again. You know, just, and, uh, you know, the cartoon one. Polar Express. And, 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 and so I was intrigued. One of the screensavers savers I had was a train um, I don't know, somewhere in, in Switzerland or Poland, or I'm not sure where it was, somewhere out there. It's just gorgeous. Uh, Austria, I don't know, somewhere out there. And this train just making its way through the mountains. And, and I just watched it for a few minutes. And I saw there was a clip based on YouTube of when the snow comes in and it covers the tracks. They have these, it's like a little miniature train with this massive snowblower at the front. And this big old snowblower goes before the train and prepares the way for the train. Because the train is barreling through the mountains. It can't run into a great ice obstacle. It needs to like stay on track. And so there's, they have these, these big blowers. It looks like a little miniature train, but big old blower and blowing the ice and debris and drifts away. And I was thinking, that's so cool. Preparing the way for the track. 
preparing the way. And that's the picture I have come to my mind. That when, when this was being said to the, to the Christians, saying, listen, you need to throw off everything that hinders. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him went to the cross. He suffered. He bore what was in front of you. He bore it. He suffered for you. He took all that shame. Don't you take it. That's not yours. The cross has been dealt with. The shame has been dealt with. He's gone before you. So you curve and come around the bend. No, he has run before you on your pack, on your track. He has run before you. That should give you assurance that you can square up your shoulders, lift your elbows a little higher, and run harder because he's gone before you. Finish the race. And the last part I want to share here today is discard the baggage. And I'm just going to point out Ephesians chapter 4. Here's some of the baggage. Let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of this, this new year. Ephesians 4, 25 down to 30. Displeasing speech. Your conversation. You got, you got language. You got things that you've been saying, not thinking through. Let's, let's discard that. Let's get rid of that. Um, what about dishonest practices? You're not being honest. You are being deceitful. And you need to be honest. You need to be blameless. So let's, let's get rid of that. What about devilish anger? And I put devilish anger because there can be a righteous anger. I get angry at what the enemy do, does. But there is a devilish anger that gets in the way and causes my heart to be against another brother or sister. Get rid of that. What about destructive attitudes? Attitude, attitude. How's your attitude? Destructive attitudes. Displeasing speech, dishonest practices, devilish anger, destructive attitudes. So what do I put on? Let's instead, characteristics, put on, and it continues down verse 31, put on tenderheartedness. Tenderheartedness. I'm going to look at you as not a foe. I'm going to look at you as, as a friend. I'm going to look at you as somebody that is dear and precious in the sight of God. And because that's true, you're precious in my sight too. What about putting on forgiveness? So I get up today, starting 2023, January 1. Lord, I'm going to have a spirit of forgiveness today. I'm not going to let an offense begin to rise up with anybody. I won't allow it. So if it starts to, I'll talk to the person if I need to talk to the person, or I'll just bring it before you, and I'll lay it at your feet, and I'll bless and praise them. Or tenderheartedness, forgiveness, let's put on kindness. Just kindness. Just going to do something a little extra special. Just do something a little above and beyond. Yeah, they might have other people. They might not, you know, they might take it the wrong way, but I'm going to just demonstrate kindness. Kindness. I'm going to put that on this year. Can we do that? So, can we go back to that scripture? I'm going to invite us to go back to that starting scripture. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Can we read it together? Everybody, can you read? Have we got it in front of us? Let's do it together. One voice. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
So, Father, it's our desire. Our desire is, God, we have a race set before us. We have a cloud of witnesses that said we can do it. There's even those in my life, I think of my of, of, of family members who've gone before me and said, you can do it. Testimonies of even pastors I've sat under when I was a boy and a teenager who right to the end testified that God is true and able and willing to do all that he has said. Lord, there's been spiritual people in my life, those who come alongside me and they've testified about you just in their daily living. There's such a cloud of witnesses, not only biblical, but present witnesses that testify that, God, you are everything and more than we could believe or imagine. Lord, I pray we would throw off the things that hinder and that, God, we would run hard the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, that, Lord, you have already perfected path that we are about to run. You've been there. You've been there. So there's nothing in front of us that's going to knock us off. We know we can keep our eyes fixed on you. The path is already laid out. You've gone before us. Grant that this year, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.